0: If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM,
1: The Fan. Happy Monday, everybody. Ajay Salveson here, Eric Franson there. One hundred N FM, 1390 AM and 106. The Fan.com, however and wherever you are. Hope you're having a wonderful Monday as we get through. Hey, it's, uh,
2: it's not an ordinary Monday. Why? This is, it's a special day today.
1: Why?
2: May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Oh, don't.
1: Eric, okay. It's a Star Wars day. Yeah, cool. Adults, they live in their parents' basement and make those jokes. It's a great day. Are you, are you a Star Wars? Okay, so I'm going to lay level here with you, and this might ruin our friendship forever. So be it. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I have never seen Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, or any of the new Star Wars movies. Wow. Are you proud of me? Uh, that is uh, that is a feat to be achieved. No, it's not, because I don't want to sit through a three-and-a-half-hour movie learning about Pokemon versus Dumbledore. Or Doodledore, or whatever his name is. Doodledore. <laughs> I want to know about Princess Leia and uh, what's that one weird kid uh, on Harry Potter? Like Harry Potter's best friend. What's his name?
2: Ron Weasley,
1: yeah, or a Schmiegel versus uh, um, versus R two D two. Like no one cares. No one cares. <laughs> Never you thought know what? of doing a
2: one versus another in a different franchise. But I,
1: I put a bag of licorice, okay, of red Twizzler licorice or red vines, to you, if at least two of our listeners liked all three Lord of the Rings. Harry Potter, and Star Wars. And I've seen every single one of them. You have to have seen every single one of them. Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Star Wars, and like them all. Like like each series.
2: You don't think there's two of our listeners out
1: there? No way. Absolutely no we way. Who would qualify? They're smarter than that. They realize that there's what? better things. Like Tiger King. <laughs> oh my god. 435 <laughs> if you want to text in. 435 1069 if you want to call in. Okay, I, I know this is not a non sports subject, but I mean, we are getting through COVID 19 one day at a time. Honestly, though, if you've seen every Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and what's the other one, Harry Potter movie, and you liked it, I'd love to hear from you. 435 339 one i I'm just, have you? Oh, yes. And you liked them all? Yep. No problems at all.
2: No problems at all. Uh, during this whole COVID-19 stuff where we've spent a lot more time at home and my kids are home and they don't have to wake up to get to school early in the mornings. Uh, we've, we've slowed down on this, but for a long t- period of time there, every night we were watching a different movie and we were going through different like series. We saw Indiana Jones series. We saw the uh, Hunger Games. We watched the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings extended versions. Back to the Future. Back we didn't, to the do, the, we didn't okay, do a Harry Potter marathon, Back to the though.
1: Future 3 is horrible. 1 and <laughs> no, 2 are great. I liked, it. I no, liked Back to the Future 3. Really Very bad. different, but it had its quirks. It and its was funny moments. and it was pushed. 435-339-0321 if you want to text in, say hello. Um, and give us your thoughts on Star Wars, Harry Potter. And the Modern original
2: readings. Back to the Future is the best, though. Number 2 it, is pretty good. But number I, 1 is up there in one of those... Perfect movies. That was one of those things
1: going around. That's one of the very few series that didn't suck the whole way through. Because there are series where you're just like, okay, now we're, even Ocean's 11, 12, and 13, like 12 was just, let's throw it out there yeah, and see if it's sticks 12 should have
2: never existed. Yeah.
1: See, that's the thing is that in Back to the Future, you really don't have that. Look, I don't like Back to the Future 3, but it still belongs. It still fits there. But, yeah. I
2: Watching I have- them back to back like that. I didn't realize how many references were in Back to the Future Two that were meant to be in w- that references to what you would see and what would take place in three. Yeah, so they definitely yeah, knew they point. were making a third one when they were filming the. Have session. you guys done the Dark Knight series? Uh no. We though no, we did watch the Dark Knight. We did okay. watch Batman. You go through the series. The Dark here, Knight. Yeah. My kids had never seen it before.
1: We watched it. And they're like, "Ooh, that
2: was intense."
1: Did they hate it though? Like, were they scared? Did they? No, they thought it was cool. See, okay, I got nightmares for like two days straight where the Joker films himself with that camera. Oh, oh dude, yeah. I just freaking messed me up for, for a while. And then I watched It one time. I survived. <laughs> but I'm telling you, like, when I'm alone in the dark. Do you look at I, balloons differently now? I sprint to where I'm getting to when I'm alone in the dark. <laughs> I sprint to where I'm to. Hey, welcome up again, everybody, to the Full Court Press here on 106NFM, 1390AM, and 106NTheFan.com. Hey, big news today. Yes.
2: We locked up, uh, or excuse me, locked down. We didn't lock him up. You we might locked, want to rephrase that. Yeah, we locked down to. this really cool interview that we've been trying to, to get lined up for a
1: little while. Yeah, thanks for giving me the right number.
2: It's <laughs> because we, thanks to a former colleague who was well-intentioned, but eventually he did come through. Um, we're going to talk to Phil Olsen tomorrow. No big deal. The last Aggie taken in the first
1: round 50 years ago. It's been a long time. I've got a lot of questions for him, you know, based on the fact that, like, and I want to know if living in, and honestly, it, it was really this, playing in Merlin Olsen's shadow ever just got to him. Because that really what it's 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 almost what it seemed to be. Everybody I talked about Philton. Oh well, Merlin Olton was better. I didn't even ask that. I just want to know what he was like as a player. But everyone brings up Merlin Olton when they talk Phil Olton.
2: Yeah, they do. But um, you know, he had a, he had a great college career. Yeah. Uh, he played at Logan High. He played in the NFL for many years. Um, and so uh, be interesting to compare his experiences with what Jordan Love may be going through now. Yeah. So really excited for that. That's going to be tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. We'll have Phil Olson joining us. Uh, Aggie greats an great, and NFL greats and sharing his personal experiences of being drafted in the NFL and um, and how that may relate to uh, what Jordan Love may be walking into.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. I can't wait. So again, tomorrow 430 here on the fan, Eric and I will chat with the great Phil Olson uh, look forward to that. I, again, I said I have a ton of questions for him too about those playing days, and he still had a really good NFL career. Again, we're going all, everyone's gonna say, well, it's not as great as Merlin's. We know that, but it was still really, really productive for the time he was there. Uh, as we all heard at the top of the hour, we'll, uh, we'll and we'll break down some stories as we go. We're gonna talk about uh, the Louisville situation, uh, baseball. NBA basketball. They're optimistic that they can finish the season. And of course, with NBA basketball, I also want to uh, kind of start break down the parts five and six of the Last Dance last night of the Dream Team. A lot of interesting things. You saw the competitive side of Jordan in the in, in parts five and six. You really saw the you know the whole Clyde Drexler situation, the Charles Barkley um the the gambling and a couple of interesting quotes as well did you
2: do you hear dan patrick earlier today this morning i didn't i didn't no. so they had the 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 director of this documentary on and they they uh, said hey, you know, they were noticed that john stockton was not spoken to and uh, the, the you know why isn't john stockton participating in this in this documentary and basically he said look we we chased him down for months and finally, John Stockton said, "Look, I'm not interested in being a part of a puff piece for Michael Jordan," and basically shut it
1: down. Wait, 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 wait! Time out. Really? Yeah. I gotta find this quote. Shut up. Yeah. Really interesting. So wait, wait, wait. So John Stockton's not going to be in it then? No. According to the comments that were made today, and and who was on the show with him again? I'm sorry. There's
2: like the direct. I can't remember if it's the director or the producer of the documentary.
1: Oh, uh, Jason Ayer. Yeah. Okay, so it's interesting. He was on with Rob Perez, Worldwide Wob, as we know him on Twitter, and he talked about how the documentary wasn't fit. In fact, they were they were about to interview Stockton the day before COVID nineteen hit, and then when that hit, the pandemic hit, and everything kind of went into chaos. He never clarified whether he got the interview with Stockton or not. And then uh, later on, he talks about how. Um, that it was just hard to get some people because of the situation itself. And he almost it seemed like he was referring to Stockton, but he was blaming it on COVID-19.
2: Well, some of his comments today with uh, Patrick were like, look, we chased him for two months, January and February, made multiple attempts to get with him and uh, tried to have him participate. And then he basically came out and said, look, if this is just going to be a puff piece about Michael Jordan, I'm not interested.
3: I'm out. Wow! Good
1: for him. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, I've been. No, I've heard that Carmelo is in it, but he gives some very strong takes on the Chicago Bulls, and they're not positive. Uh, so I always kind of wonder if Stockton, because Stockton's such a high road guy, right? Always yeah. takes the high road, says the nice right things, even when you shouldn't have to. Um, and you're right. It is with. Uh, it is with uh, Jason Eyre. Uh, you found the quote. And I am actually. Looking for the quote right now. I'll find it, and then we'll play here in uh, later in the hour. Um, but the thing about John Stockton is he's competitive as all get out. And, and those two final losses bug him at, like, at no regard. They absolutely bug him that he didn't win one of those two NBA finals. And I love that he says, you know what? You guys are going to kiss up to Jordan? Great. Jordan wants his ego scratched? Wonderful. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm but I'm kind of bummed out. I want to hear his, because this is kind of a let it all out there documentary. Hey, you're an opponent? You hate Jordan? Great. Say it. Hey, you hated Dennis Rodman? Great. Hey, you hate your own owner? Let it hear. You know, I, I'd love to hear it. I want to hear what Jerry Sloan would have to say about it. <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> Cause there's word that, you know, Jerry Sloan being in Chicago and having the great NBA playing career that he did with the Bulls and Phil Jackson coming in, Phil for some reason had this little bitterness towards Jerry Sloan. Uh, and I, I I've looked for it forever, but there was a quote from uh, it was after he retired, and they asked him about Jerry Sloan, and he said, well, Yeah, we'll I have two championships and both are against him and supposedly great teams. I have not been able to find that quote. I have looked everywhere.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen that one.
1: But yeah, so we'll get into all that here later in the hour. Uh, you'll, but anyways, you saw the competitive side. Uh, you learned about the gambling habit. They Some call it addiction. It was a gambling habit. Uh, Jordan doesn't call an addiction. He simply says, I went out and had some fun. I didn't stay out till 4 in the morning. I stayed out till about 12 or 1 in the morning. Uh, and then you'll hear him talk about... <laughs> Uh, talking about being on top and how lonely he felt being on top and what, I know almost what kind of drove him into retirement. Uh, and it was just, uh, the, the whole thing of he didn't have any motivation is part of it definitely. But I think the pressure of being Michael Jordan is what really got to him the most. Um, and so yeah, we'll get into that whole later in the show. Uh, first thing first, Eric, uh, Louisville uh, is hit with some uh, NCAA n- uh, notice of allegations. Surprise, surprise, Louisville.
2: Actually, can we pause that? Yeah, sure. Really, the first things first yeah. should be Don Shula. Good call. You know, one of the greatest NFL coaches ever. Um, best winning percentage. Only coach to ever have a perfect record. A long time with Miami Dolphins. Um, he was 90 years old, passed away today. Apparently, wow. it was peaceful. Uh, in his home, according to the Dolphins, they they issued a, a statement today. Um, but uh, he won an NFL record three hundred and forty seven games.
1: Amazing! You know, he took a couple cheap shots at Bill Belichick in two thousand seven, and I didn't. I, I I lost a lot of respect for Don Shula after that. I really did. He's a great NFL coach, one of the best to ever do it. Top three. Honestly, top three. But I felt like he had this little, um, a grudge or just whatever it is against certain people. One of them was, and I'm not saying because he's a, I'm a Patriots fan. Okay, maybe I kind of am. But the fact that he just couldn't let it go and he couldn't say, you know, Bill Belichick's a great coach. It, it was, hey, there's an asterisk next to this, and there's an asterisk next to these 500 wins. There's an asterisk to this Super Bowl title. Like it's just, it never ended with him. And it bugged me that he couldn't just say, you know what, way to go. Great career.
2: Uh, Belichick did have a a statement that he released about Don Shula.
1: Call him a cheater by chance? Don Shula is one of the
2: all-time great coaching figures in the standard for consistency and leadership in the NFL, Belichick said. I was fortunate to grow up in Maryland as a fan of the Baltimore Colts, who, under Coach Shula, were one of the outstanding teams of that era. My first connection to Coach Shula was through my father, whose friendship with Coach Shula went back to their days in Northeast Ohio, I extend my deepest condol- condolences to the Shula family and the Dolphins organization.
1: Uh, well said by Coach Belichick. As you mentioned, he had an NFL record three hundred forty-seven. Won an NFL record three hundred forty-seven games. Uh, that's including playoffs, by the way. Seventeen uh, and zero in seventy-two. Uh, and you know
2: what? It, some people may kind of get uh, you know their their brothers ruffled about the the, the Dolphins. Um, that organization, those members of that group from back then, lighting up a cigar after... Oh, I think it's cool. Whenever the no the, the last undefeated team finally loses. Um, and I think it's a cool thing. Maybe I'm not promoting smoking cigars by any means, but I think it's a cool thing they, they do celebrate. something to celebrate. Like, hey, look, we're still the only guys that were able to pull this off in the NFL. It was so hard. No one else has done it. Patriots, the closest... To come to that. Yeah. And even then, in their, as great as they were, they were not able to pull
1: it off. But you know what? Tom Brady said something. Actually, no, excuse me. It was Bill Belichick who said after in, a, in some kind of an interview with uh, Patriots.com. He had said, it tells you how hard it is to get there and win it all, to win every single game. And he says, well, sure, we had a few more games. But then he referred back to Don Schiller and he said, to go 17 and 0. Is the hardest thing to do to win every single game, including the playoffs, and then get to the Super Bowl and win that is exhausting. And then he accredited with just huge amounts of appreciation for what Don Schiller did. And, you know, as you mentioned, he coached with the Colts. He was the, at the time the youngest NFL head coach when uh, he was hired by the Colts. In fact, I think he coached against the Jets when the Jets upset the Baltimore Colts 16 to 7 in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 3. Uh, I believe it was, when uh, Joe Namath had that guarantee game. Um, But, I mean, a a long-standing career. He resigned after the 95 season. Uh, Was it 95 that he resigned? Really? I didn't know that.
2: Um,
1: (laughs) 33 seasons as a head coach, though.
2: (laughs) Message on our our text line Uh from 5338. Today, the FCP should observe not one but several moments of silence to remember the passing of the winningest and greatest coach in NFL history, Don Shula. Every other coach is so far behind, you would need a telescope to see them.
1: <laughs> uh, Bill Belichick has uh, threw out the telescope, and uh, and is probably standing right behind him or close to. Yeah, honestly, like as look, I know a lot of people don't like Bill Belichick, but for his career. Mark's right it's, up there with Don Shoy, yes. and he's one win you away can't. from being another perfect team that's standing with him, and he's not, and there's a he's what got a if. a lot of rings and a lot of my, Super Bowl appearances. And he's done it in, in, in a salary era where you can go where you want and get the money that you want whenever you want. And so uh, I'd probably play him. Chuck Noll was there, too, for a little I thought Chuck Knoll was a great coach uh, for the Pitt- Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Jimmy Johnson would have had a great career if Jerry Jones would have ran him out. Um but uh nonetheless, yes, uh celebration to Don Shula, the great NFL coach for the Baltimore Colts, and then of course the Miami Dolphins. Twenty-six with Miami seven with uh with uh the Baltimore Colts. Uh wow. That kind of makes you just think about holy crap, we're in like every so every time someone dies, we're in a new era, right? Kobe Bryant, um, and then of course now Don Shula, and it's just it's like, gosh dang it. Uh, in fact I remember Uh, Don Shula, and I shouldn't even bring this up, but I think it was in 95, wasn't it? When, uh, the Dolphins, Dan Marino got blown out by Jacksonville Jaguars. And everyone kind of said that was the end of it for Marino and for Shula. I believe it was 95. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but the guy had what? Five Super Bowls, two losses. So I think he went three and two, lost to the Redskins. John Riggins and the Redskins, the Hogs, one of the best teams, underrated. And then, of course, lost to the San Francisco Niners, who were the hottest offense in the NFL. Uh, that was a blowout, 38-16, I believe, uh, was a final score. Then they put on a clinic, the Niners. Everyone was seeking to shoot out and ended up being, that. you know, all fans would never see an offense. And the wrong one showed up. But uh, nonetheless, Don Schill, one of the greatest coaches to ever uh, stay on the NFL sideline, has passed away at the age of 90. More of the Full Court Press coming up.
0: Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. 1069 FM 1390
1: AM The FAN. Eric France and AJ Southson, Full Court Press. 422, your time here on a Monday, May 4th. Uh, hey, go ahead. Please, don't no, please, by all means. Quick
2: shout out to our good friend Al Lewis. Uh, undergoing some, uh, knee surgery, yeah. knee replacement, uh, had his first, uh, surgery today. So, um, he's the first of two knees replaced. He said he will need to be done. Oh, first what? one is done. So, uh, physical rehab is next for the le- next little while. So you won't be hearing him on our sister station, KVNU in the mornings for a little while,
1: but you'll be hearing me on the sports reports.
2: Hey, do you sign up? Hey, this is AJ Salveson, sports
1: guy. <laughs> Sp- <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm Eric Franson here, the sports report. <laughs> uh, when I walked in this morning, a couple people were like, what are you doing here? I'm doing the sports report. I'm sports guy. And they kind of looked at me like, why? Why? <laughs> why, why, why you? <laughs> why are you doing it? And I was like all excited at 530 a.m. and there's. get out of my grill.
2: Get out of my (laughs) grill. They're still trying
1: to wake up. Eric, we got some good news about baseball. We have... We see a light at the end of the tunnel. I hope so.
2: Certainly, uh, there's light overseas. Korean baseball is starting. You know, South Korea (laughs) has been very... (laughs) South Korea has been very aggressive in tracing, and testing. And as a result, their economy is opening back up. Their sports world is opening back up ahead of most other uh, countries and way ahead of schedule. Um, and so as a result, ESPN is making this big deal because, hey, finally, somebody in the world out there has live sports. So ESPN's making making a big deal that they're, they're – we all get to watch some Korean baseball. So pick your favorite Korean baseball team and let's follow them.
1: Eric, don't you ever, ever, ever do that again. No one cares about Korean baseball. No Are one you kidding? Care- sh- if no- you
2: haven't been seeing baseball no. and you, sh- you should have been watching it now for the last month and a half,
1: no one cares about Wachika all right, hitting a double for a game winning run. One of the, the games that we're going to start was featuring two guys that used to be in Major League Baseball, and two former no- pitchers. And Husky Nosky throwing a perfect game. No one cares. Uh, people will care. They still watch live-action <laughs> f- current baseball. <laughs> uh, so let, 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 let's get to the really good news and not the fake news that Eric brought up. That's no, not fake it, news. Okay, it is. Uh, Major League Baseball in America, Eric, in the state, in the country that we live in, has an opening, or at least a date set for spring training? That would be June 10th. Their opening day would be July 1st, and they'd be playing in their home ballparks. Now, according to Blake Snell, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, he talks about uh, what, how long they would actually need uh, to prepare for uh, the season. I would say probably six weeks. Uh, just, and I think, and I think it would be sped up to where uh,
0: pitchers just need to get built up to like three innings, uh, and we'll just have a lot more pitchers and players. Uh, to play the games. Um, But yeah, I would say six weeks. I mean, I'm doing everything I can to just stay in shape and be as ready as I can be. But I still think it takes six weeks to get ready. Agree.
2: Six weeks seems like a long time. That's what I thought. That's a month and two weeks, man. It's like doing spring training all over again, but look, we've been out of it. So these baseball guys have been out of it for almost a solid two months. Yeah. So that muscle mass, the you know the the proper mechanics that you need to throw a ball properly, it, you you need some time to get back into shape and get that mu- muscle memory back. Um, because you, you throw out a pitcher with only a few weeks or, or less than that, and say, okay, we're doing baseball again. Just like what the concern is for college football, that you can make, you can have everybody pulling a hamstring. You're going to have a lot of guys blowing their shoulders or having elbow problems. And uh, it's going to be a real issue. So, uh, I think they need time. Six weeks still sounds like a long time, but I'm not a baseball doctor by any means.
1: Snell again on
0: safety concerns. Especially at least to start it off, to make sure everyone's good and then where are people staying? How do I know who they're with? Like, It's super hard to trust everyone and know that they're going to be as uh, committed to staying away from people and, and just being as healthy as they can be. So, um, I don't know. I think I think testing is huge for me personally but um and also where players are staying who they're around uh because you don't know if they're hanging out with a lot of people or not so for me uh i haven't left the house one time everything has been brought into me uh i don't really hang out with nobody so i've taken it really serious so for me I, i would just hope that all the players would be taking it that serious so no one has the chance to really to get it or for it to spread because if one person gets it doesn't know, then everyone is going to get it.
1: I think that's been our major concern, Eric, with every single sport. If one person has it, it's going to spread to everybody else, especially on the field or on the court. And I think that is a concern, especially as you heard Snell say. I've heard, base, in fact, Trout actually came out and said, look, I don't, there's a lot of red flags, and one of them is, are you healthy enough to play baseball? Are you coronavirus-free? And if they're not and they don't have the test available for whatever reason, then there could be some trouble and then you're back to square one again.
2: All right, and what compounds this is the social and political pressure that surrounds some of this that like the really the optimal thing to do would be to create a space a, a location where these games could happen where you could have this bubble if you will where you only have players, coaching staff, you know, medical, you know, your, your trainers, your referees, whoever is needed to make a game happen properly. Probably going to have to have some family members involved because you're going to ask these players to be away from their families for a long time. That's going to be hard to pull off. But the other part that it would need to make it happen is regular testing to ensure that everybody is that's going to participate is okay. And the second that somebody is, is, is not, you isolate that one individual and then you keep monitoring everybody else. But the the thing that the NBA has come out and said is, look, we could probably do this, but we don't want the appearance of having tests available when some people in our country still don't have access to these tests. So the NBA is overly concerned about the optics of having tests and potentially taking away things that, that the medical community might need to help people in their communities. Um, it, around here, Having ample test kits is, is not a problem. But in other parts of the country, I don't know. So I, it wouldn't be a problem here, but maybe it is in other parts. If you're down in New Orleans, New York, Brooklyn, yeah, maybe there are problems there because those are real hot spots.
1: Trevor Plouffe of Talking Baseball Podcast uh, had put out that he heard from multiple sources that on June 10th, spring training will start, well, at least part two of it, And July 1st will be opening day and that all teams will be playing at their home ballparks. Now, he tweeted that out in the thread below with comments. Three Major League Baseball players say, huh? That's news to me. So either the sources are ahead of the schedule (laughs) or the baseball player or or the sources are just really wrong. One of the two. Uh, Trevor's actually really well-informed, always has good sources and uh, is is well respected? I guess. Um, I mean, just from the, I guess, mid major standpoint of being a baseball analyst and such, and so he almost got a ticket for what it's worth. But again, Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals says, I haven't heard a word. So, uh, good for you, Trevor. You're breaking news to all the Major League Baseball players too, my man. Uh, I I would love to see baseball come back. I think July is your best opportunity to, to do it. Anything after July, it's we really got to put an X nail. I just don't think it's gonna happen at all. But if you can make this happen in July and play uh, at your home ballparks, can you fit 162 games? I mean, they got to dense this down so you're playing 80 games, right? Yeah, they'd have to condense. There's no way they'd have to condense it. And then, is there an All Star game?
2: I don't see how. You may have to. You may need to work in some mid season break so teams can make trades or players can just take a break. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of Pomp and circumstance goes along with uh, with an all star game, and it's a it's for some people that's part of uh, you know uh, incentive packages. If you are an all star or whatever, you, you there's opportunities for added bonuses to your contract. So I don't, maybe they still have to to uh, work in an all star game. There's no real way around it, but I don't know how you do a full 162 game season yeah, right I, now.
1: That's yeah. I was gonna say that would be kind of tough. Uh, by the way, according to BaseballAmerica.com and Baseball America Magazine, uh, that there is, uh, according to a source with insight into the thinking of both parties for the MLB and MILB, they have already found a common ground on a number of major outstanding issues that MLB Deputy Commissioner Dan Halem laid out publicly in a letter to members of Congress last November. They've also talked about not eliminating minor league baseball, just some teams. From uh being a part of minor league baseball, those teams have not been fully announced. So Cincinnati Reds Triple A baseball team has uh went out and said they are going to be staying, uh from what they have heard. Uh, so again, this will fix affect Single A to Triple A, and they'll eliminate some teams. But it sounds like that minor league baseball will continue to stick around. My guess is that if they do affect anything here in Utah, it's probably going to be the Ormals. That would be my guess. I think they keep Salt Lake, of course, and Ham Angels right.
2: higher affiliation. And I think
1: Ogden Raptors actually stick around too. I do not think the Oramals will, though. Um, again, that's not that's just pure speculation. There's no um, credible source to that except my own voice. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I I would love to see minor league baseball continue because I don't know if spending sending players to spring training facilities. Gets them enough workout. Gets them the live action that they need, even if it's just scrimmage. I think they need the live action, nine innings baseball. You know, umpire, clock, all that stuff. Just the surroundings of it, so they're not walking into a blank when they, uh, when they uh, get ready to go up or when they get the call up to the show, if you will.
2: Yeah, but can can you have some form of a developmental league, or developmental process that uh, you you work on players and things like this? And then they get called up to the to, to AAA, and that's basically, that is the minor league system. Oh, there you go. That's a good point. For Major League Baseball. Do you need all the single A and double and, A? And those are small clubs. The conditions are pretty poor for
1: yeah. a lot of those. Traveling conditions aren't great either, to be honest with you. I mean, the way they have them travel isn't isn't easy. I would, yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine you can maybe just keep AAA and then have them work in the development when they're, ready to be called up or needed to be called up because you got got A players going to the show for whatever reason. Um, that might be your best way out of it. The other question I have for you is no fans, of course. No way that they start with fans on July 1st. How long do you go without fans? Or do you wait this out until even postseason if you have a postseason?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a long time before fans or crowds en masse are able to attend sporting events or other um, large events. Um, I hope not. I hope that changes. Hope it changes sooner rather than later.
1: I'm just glad that minor league is sticking around. Like, I like people love going to bees games. Like on July 4th, July 24th, you know, first week. It's just it's a big deal for some people to make it a tradition to go to bees games, and that would be fun for them.
2: Uh, there was an athletic director at the University of Arkansas. I can't remember his name now. But he said that they are shooting for a July fifteenth as kind of their target date for football to uh, to resume practices and resume some activities and other sports. Um, but that's kind of their window. That if we if they if things can be settled down by then to the point where teams could practice, then there's a chance that football could happen on its regularly scheduled opener. For them, I think it was September 5th. But there's others that are out there saying, look, while it might be fine and dandy for one school or one conference to do, uh, it, one time to open it up, while others it's, may still be delayed, it just it's in fact, it was uh, uh, TCU's head coach.
1: Gary Patterson. Yeah,
2: Patterson was saying, look, because there was a question that was being floated. We talked about this last week, that, hey, what if we stagger it? What if one conference, it's okay, the institutions of your conference could get going one month, but like three, four weeks later, this everything's settled down okay in this conference, and then they start. And he said, you can't do that. It just, it won't work. He says, we have to have a unified, we're all doing it the same across the country on the same schedule. Okay, so and here, if we And if we apply that, Ajay, it's going to be later than I think we I was going to say, okay,
1: so is that a realistic- in fact, you just answered my question. I was going to ask you: Is that realistic to start on time then, with that kind of uh, mandatory stance? To, to everybody's got to be on the same foot. <laughs> if you're just doing conference games, I don't. If your conference is,
2: all the institutions in your conference can assemble and practice and play? Uh, but I think it, it definitely matters with, if we're going to do a
1: postseason. That's a big part of yeah. it. Because the Mountain West will not start, I mean, the Mountain West Conference as a whole will not be ready at the same time that the Big 12 is ready as a whole. The SEC as a whole will not be ready at the same time as the Big 10 as a whole. No way. And so, I, and then I think that's why we'll be limited to just conference games. That they'll wipe out the uh, non-conference games. If they do keep the non-conference games, it is going to be incredibly tricky. I don't know how you make it work. Yeah, I don't know, because a lot of that is is
2: based on uh, financial opportunities, based on tune-ups for getting you ready for the conference schedule, and you just go right into it. But you know what? Unique circumstances, it affects everybody pretty well equally. So it may just come down to it. If if we're going to play, if it's between playing or not playing, maybe that's the only way to do it.
1: Uh, so one more time, give us that uh, NBA news that you're here. You're hopefully hearing about that they might have a uh, a hopeful date to start on at least just to get teams in
2: for the NBA. Yeah, um, I don't remember that hearing that
1: one. Oh, okay. I thought you said there was a date there. I no, that was from
2: uh, uh, that date was from the University of Arkansas. Okay, their oh, AD that's saying July 15th is kind of what they were shooting for. If they were to have if they were to have this the regular season start as scheduled on September 5th. July fifteenth is their is their day, that they're look they're kind of keeping in mind that if things are lifted enough where they can start practicing, um, and, and having groups together like that, that's kind of their their target date. July fifteenth, and the season starts when September
1: fifth. Not happening. That's a six seven weeks. So you got to put a depth chart, roster, and everything together in six weeks, and know who you're starting. And have your kids ready to go for opening day. Whew. Opening kickoff, I should say. Whoo, boy! Yeah, that's that's asking a lot. That's asking a lot. All right, we're gonna take a break. Coming back, we got more for you, including Last Dance Part Five and Six. Uh, we'll get into some more baseball news as well, and uh, get to some NBA stuff. NBA is optimistic that they can start early. Excuse me, that they can complete their season, including the playoffs.
2: Yeah, we got some audio from Woj and from um Windhorst about uh, yeah some of the some of their sources and what they're telling them about potential to finish this season out. Is it still realistic or not? And then how that affects 2020, 2021 season.
0: The Aggies are number one here, the Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
1: Eric France and A.J. South, here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, and 106andthefan.com. Hope you're hey. having a great Monday, weather has been nice, Weather will be nice in the next few days. So enjoy it while we have it.
2: I'm a little disappointed we haven't got those texts that, that were supposed to come in. And that means because I'm right. There's supposed to be a There's lot of texts. There's not one
1: person here that says, hey, I've watched Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Star Wars, every single movie, and I like all three of them. That's why they're not texting in, it's because I'm right. So Wait, do welcome. you
2: have to like like every single movie in those franchises? Or could you just say like, I generally speaking, I liked those movies?
1: Uh,
2: <sighs> I just want to understand what your criteria is. Because there are, I have issues with some of those movies in that spectrum. But you'd watch but them generally again. Generally speaking, but I would enjoyed watch, all... Okay,
1: the movies that you have a problem with, would you sit down and watch it again with a bowl of popcorn?
2: If it meant watching the series to finish, the, to do it in this in this the okay. full series, and yeah, I would. But if I'm like, uh, pick one or two here, just pick and choose my favorites, eh, probably not.
1: Okay, fine. So you have, to, well, you have to have seen every movie of Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and Star Wars. Every single movie. And you have to like it. You have to have liked it.
2: Okay, yeah, so if you've done that and you do like them, if you give it a thumbs up, text us. 435-339- Zero three
1: two one. I uh, you and you have, I have to, to believe there's more than just me out there. that no, I'm actually agree with our listeners. I don't listen think anybody to this show and five three three eight nine eight three five or five nine three one five. They're like no, no, no. We we have something better than Star Wars and Harry Potter and Lord of the freaking Rings. <laughs> Y'all, so much better than that. Uh, you can uh, say Michael Jordan
2: is a Lord of Rings as many rings as he won there's been a lot of debates Six sexy rings yeah saying if he would not have done his first retirement would they have won and kept winning titles oh yeah or based on the way he was looking would he have been he looked pretty burnt would they've been frazzled and just start to wear on each other and that team would have broken up sooner
1: well, and somebody I mean, would
2: have eventually knock them off.
1: It did break up. Horace Grant left. He went to the Magic. Scottie Pippen stayed. Uh, you lose B.J. Armstrong, uh, so they still, but they still come. I mean, look, they still ended up in the Eastern Conference Finals. That that Eastern Conference Finals trip might have been Phil Jackson's best coaching he ever has done in his coaching career ever. Doing what he did without Michael Jordan, well, still winning,
2: and it really solidified the excellence of Scottie Pippen.
1: I think it's more Phil Jackson. I don't think it was – look, Scottie Pippen's a great basketball player. There's no doubt. But Scottie Pippen was not that good without Phil Jackson and without Michael Jordan.
2: Okay. I mean, certainly it's easy for a lot of good players to look great when you're surrounded by arguably one of the greatest coaches and arguably one of the greatest players of all
1: time. Now, with that being said, Kobe Bryant and Shaq didn't suffer from such a thing. They were great even without Phil Jackson. They won rings without him. Yes, Scottie Pippen was different, though. Again, Wait, did Kobe win without it? Did yeah. he win a championship without Phil? Uh, no, but, but you know he he only had Phil. Let's see, I yeah, we have to take that back. He had Phil Jackson until two thousand eleven or twelve. That's that's when they got swept by Dallas, I believe, and he called it quits. And then Kobe got old, dude. But he was playing with guys like Sasa Virmicic, like I mean, uh, a worn down version of Lamar Odom. He was dating, freaking what's uh, what's her bucket? Uh,
2: One of the Kardashians. Yeah,
1: which is which is a career throwaway in your own move. Um, and then so Lamar Odom wasn't even on even there. Derek Fisher was really out of his prime. Uh, and so I don't think I'd blame that as much on Phil Jackson not being there as a team just being absolutely old and crap by then. And not to mention you tore your Achilles, and you had a horrible knee.
2: But what's interesting in this is uh, this whole Bulls documentary, as we we kind of teased this earlier on, is that they're talking to quite an interesting
1: cross-section of, oh, of dude, players. are talking like karma? Okay, players, yes, and celebrities. Like President Barack Obama, who they labeled him, as a Chicago citizen, <laughs> President Barack Obama, yeah, oh, yeah. Carmen Electra, and then of course players. You have Patrick Viewing. I say Thomas, uh, Joe Dumars, John Sally. No, Dumars not sorry, but John Sally was in there. Uh, Charles Barkley, uh, Danny Ainge. Um, yeah, there's yeah, and but we're still missing a few players who were very key. Poignance of Jordan's career at the end,
2: especially at the end, and uh, you know those two his his last two championships came at the hand of the Utah Jazz. Um, and uh, one of those key guys that did not want to participate in this was John Stockton, who was reluctant.
3: Uh, Stockton was reluctant um, because you know I finally got him on the phone. We interviewed John Stockton on March tenth. This March tenth, yeah. So. That was Tuesday, March 10th. We interviewed him in Spokane. It was so, it was so deep into this COVID crisis that, that um, we decided I shouldn't fly to Spokane because we were afraid that flights would get grounded indefinitely. So we had someone out there, um, a stringer from Seattle drove in and did that interview. He was reluctant, because I finally got him on the phone after like two years of chasing him in January or February. And he said, I don't wanna be part of a Michael Jordan puff piece. And I said, I can assure you that this is not a puff piece. And I explained to him who else was participating and that he was the 106th interview in the process and, and what we were covering. Um, and then guys like BJ Armstrong were reluctant out of, out of deference to Michael because they're protecting Michael and they wanted to know, you know, who these people are, who are telling this story. Is Michael cool with it? There were plenty of people who, you know, it's not easy to get people to sit down and talk about Michael because he casts such a large shadow over people's lives still.
1: And even careers. That's Jason uh, Jason Ayer, the director of The Last Dance, uh, who did... By the way, it's so a I, terrific I have, documentary. When I first heard it, I may have missed
2: misunderstood what exactly he said. So we may still see some Stockton. Because they did have somebody do an interview with him. So
1: we may still see some John Stockton. I don't think we're going to see as much as we were hoping for, though. Because he makes it, because he also, and I said, he read the interview with Rob Perez, and he said that there was three or four people that were like, don't want anything to do with this. Isn't that uh, crazy? Over a hundred different people. hundred? He was a hundred and six. Hey, by the way, well, how'd that make you feel? You're a Hall of Fame basketball player, all-time leader in assists and steals. Oh, don't worry. You're the hundred and six interview. <laughs> so, great. You were just going through a list of like Justin Timberlake and Karma Electra and... Uh, I thought Karma Electra's
2: part about the Rodman part was kind of actually funny, fitting pretty actually. Well.
1: Yeah. Okay, uh, but then you, and then you finally get to Stockton. You're like, hey, you're the 100. But now, granted, he said they were chasing him around for two years. Yeah. And by the way, they did the same thing with Phil Jackson. Did you know Phil Jackson wasn't totally sold on this? And they stalked him. They stalked him. And finally, because uh, Jordan was supposed to be writing a letter to all those who were going to be a part of the film... And say, hey, please do take your time and sit down with this crew to interview about the last dance, and uh, and the letter hadn't got out yet, and so they were like needing to get Phil Jackson to get going on this, and uh, and finally they're able to to track him down, and then uh, I guess Phil did the same thing, the exact same thing as B. J. Armstrong, he called Michael and said, Michael, like, is this real? Are you good? He's like, oh yeah, man, let's let's talk it up, man. Whatever you got, drop it, you know, and so. Uh, no, it's really good stuff, but you know, good for Stockton, right? I mean, just, hey, look, the guy took over my Hall of Fame celebration. He took away my two championships. I'm not going to get down here and be like, oh, we're not worthy. No, I like, that's just not my I mean, – like, if you want to talk about me and talk about my team, I will because we belong to be in the NBA Finals and we're that dang close to winning it. It wasn't a blowout series like you want all want to think it is. So, yeah,
2: so interesting to see if and when we do see – John Stockton I
1: heard it comes up in part 8 like I mean it's like one of the very last it's I believe it's episode 8 or 9 and it is not a whole lot now Carl Malone comes out and I guess he's like heck yeah can he out there but uh, because he it was just during the time of when he was wrestling Dennis Robbins in WCW and they had this big pay-per-view match but John Stockton other that was like nothing to do with it and I guess they asked if Jerry Sloan and Jerry Sloan's not even the one that answered. It was a couple other people uh, uh that were answering first Sloan. They said, In absolute no way will you be interviewing him at all. What's yeah,
2: that? I think it'd be hard with Sloan's current medical state so to he, do that. But well, go ahead. Uh I was gonna say we're we're limited on time, but um it, it's it's a fascinating look at basketball over the year over the years and some of the things that go on behind the scenes that the average person never sees. So whether you're a Jordan fan or not, that's what I think is interesting.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's and there's a lot to dig through. Like, I mean, again, yesterday you saw the competitors of Michael Jordan. Whether it's gambling, whether it's playing quarters with the security guard and losing, and then trash talking him because you're upset that you lost, and the and the, and the security guard trash talking right back, uh, or whether it's uh, whether it's playing against Clyde Drexler and hearing about Clyde Drexler over and over and over again, to where Jordan's just like, I'm numb of this. And then, of course, you have 1993 where he averaged 41 points in the NBA Finals versus Charles Barkley and the Suns and put on an extremely incredible show while like running mentally and emotionally and physically, as he said, on fumes because he had nothing left. And then, of course, he turns around and he leaves the game of basketball for two years, comes back, and then wins three more freaking titles, which will be in parts uh, 7, 8, and 9 um, before they get to 10 to kind of close it all out.
2: Hey, uh, before we go, there's some stuff we want to hit on. We teased this earlier. Uh, Thoughts about an NBA season this year, whether or not it can still happen. Um, NBA executives, they're they're still talking about this. We talked about this last week. There's some that are saying (laughs) these are losing teams, losing franchises. They have no interest in continuing play. While others, this is their, maybe some of their last chances to go after a ring.
1: Interesting from Brian Windhorst what he said. Here's the first part is that uh, that he believes, and the NBA believes, excuse me. We'll have our next. Ah, shoot, sorry. Uh, that they believe that they can finish the NBA season.
2: They really do believe that they can get the rest of this season in at some point. And this maneuver and these discussions are designed to build runway to allow themselves to do that. There's an optimism there that that's going to get happen.
1: And then, of course, they feel like that they aren't close to returning.
2: They are just so concerned about any indication or any uh, look that w- that they will be taking away needed resources from the public. And with the idea that they may be getting back to facilities soon, there's people out there who wanted to start getting tested to see if they were safe to go into the facilities. And the NBA has said, no, don't do that. So while I think it's a responsible thing to do, I think it's another indication that the NBA is not thinking it's too close here because it's not saying anybody should get tested right now unless you feel sick. Still, bottom line, there's still a lot of uncertainty here. Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of uncertainty. Still need
1: more time to pass. Yep. Uh, all right, again, coming up tomorrow here on the Full Court Press. Don't miss it. Eric did a great job of tracking him down. Phil Olton, the great Phil Olton, will join us here on the Full Court Press. For Eric Franson, I'm Ajay Salveson. You'll be listening to Full Court Press at 106.9 FM, 1390 AM The Fan, and 106.9thefan.com i'm dan patrick and this is above the noise
3: the big nfl news over the weekend was andy dalton signing with the cowboys that's interesting in its own right dalton is a former pro bowl quarterback who's looking to restart his career but it also might say something about another cowboys quarterback in case you hadn't forgotten they haven't signed their starter dak prescott yet that seemed like a huge deal earlier in the offseason but got lost a bit with everything else going on in the world Dallas put the franchise tag on Prescott, who hasn't signed his tender, which would pay him over $31 million. Prescott reportedly wants a long-term deal for a lot more. Several Cowboys reporters said the Dalton signing wasn't about leverage, but who knows? Maybe Jerry Jones wants to put pressure on Dak, or maybe that has nothing to do with it. Maybe they just want a high-end backup like Dalton. We'll find out a whole lot more when Jones and Prescott come back to the negotiating table and finally at least try to get this deal done. I'm Dan Patrick and this is Above
2: the Noise.